Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And a good Saturday morning to you. Welcome to our Smart Garden Show. I am joined by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney this morning to help you out. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Denny. I uh, just just got the latest temperature reading. We've moved downward to 19. 19. Burr. Burr. I'm just the messenger. Just the messenger. <laughs> if uh, you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, you know, how, if you're a regular listener of the show, how busy we uh, tend to get here. So we'd love to help you out. If you have any kind of an indoor or outdoor lawn or garden question, we hope your lawn is on the outside, uh, you can call <laughs> us or text us, same number, uh, if you'd like to chat with Teresa, we urge you to do so or send Teresa your text, 651-461-9226. I expected us to be a little bit warmer, but, you know, keep in mind, it's still only March, right? And it's Minnesota. Uh, yes. Yeah, the land maybe. of 10,000 different changes in temperatures every day. Theater of seasons, for sure. Yes. Uh, what, uh, what, <laughs> I'm trying to think, what, what, I know we're going to be getting some lawn questions today. Uh, there's really, uh, I assume, not not much to do yet, right? We don't want to walk on the lawn yet. Right. Well, you can walk on it because it's frozen, so that's no problem. As okay. long as your soil is But if is it's frozen, not frozen? If it's not frozen, if it's soggy, don't walk on it. If your garden beds are soggy, don't walk on them. Go back in the house and have a cup of tea or coffee or whatever. Don't walk on soggy ground. That's just, keep that in your mind. What, well, what can we be doing? I mean, is there, can we start planting seeds? Or what, what can we be doing indoors, at least? And I'm looking at the whole week's forecast. It looks pretty chilly all right. week. Maybe well, now is a great time to be planting your vegetable and flower seeds. And all you have to do is look at the back of the packet. And each packet will tell you, if you're sowing them inside, plant four to six weeks before the last frost or before you're transplanting. So our, our frost is anywhere between the 8th and the 15th or 21st here in in um, Minnesota. So you kind of got to figure out when the frost is or when you expect the last frost to be. And just back the, just look on the calendar, go back those number of weeks, plant your seeds up and get them growing. And just follow the instructions on the seed packet. That's really important. You don't want to plant them too deep. You don't want to plant them too shallow. Some need bottom heat. You can go out and buy a fancy mat, or you can just put them on the top of the refrigerator because the heat from the coils in the back will come up on the top of the fridge and warm up that fridge and keep that fridge top just a little bit warm, like under under heating. 
Uh, you don't have to invest in a fancy light system. Uh, a simple uh, shop light or extended light, uh, LED light will work. Something that's not too hot to the touch because once the plants are up, they will need light. Most Some plants like carrots and things like that need light to germinate, so you just press them into the top of the soil. But the ambient light from your house will be just fine. And then once they're up and growing, they'll just need some nice strong light. Uh, since you're not growing them in a house for flowers, you don't have to worry about a full spectrum thing because you're only going to keep them in the house four to six to eight weeks. And then you're going to put them outside where they'll get the full spectrum. If you were growing them for flowers or fruit in the house, then you do have to invest in a fancier light system. Oh, okay. Good advice. Yeah. Uh, let us grab a phone call, Teresa. I think Gary may be calling in from St. Louis Park this morning. Gary, good morning. What is your question for Teresa? Hi, good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Denny. Um, Teresa, I, I filled all of my, around all of my shrubs around the house with leaves over the winter to kind of protect them. Mm-hmm. So now when spring sets in, should I leave those leaves there or should I rake those out when it comes time to start watering and caring for those shrubs. Gary, thanks for your question. How deeply did you put down the the layer of leaves? Oh, that's probably two to three inch layer. Okay. You can you can leave those leaves on if you if you're okay with the look of them. They make a wonderful mulch around. Just make sure they aren't touching the stems of the of the plants. Just pull them back a little bit. If you want to pull them back a little bit now or when it gets a little warmer, that soil will warm up a little more quickly, and then you can put them back as a mulch. Once that soil warms up, it'll help that plant come out of dormancy a little sooner. But leaves make an absolute wonderful mulch. They break down very, very quickly, and you'll find that those 2 to 3 inches probably are down to 1 inch or 2 inches now. They've shrunk down quite a bit. Very good. Thanks, Gary. 651. 461-9226. Four six one nine two two six. Phone number, it's also the text number. Speaking of which, here's a, a long question. I can relate to this. I did, uh, texter says, the dormant seeding in November, right before it snowed. I've never tried this method. Would you please let me know what I should be doing now that the snow has melted? I can see my grass seed. Thank you. Oh, that's that's okay. That's good that you can see your grass seed. That means that the birds did not eat it last year. All you need to make sure now is that if the lawn is uh, still a little bit frozen, you can go out there and just maybe press that seed into the soil lightly. Just make sure there's good seed-to-soil connection. I would think that with the snow on top of it, you can see the grass seed. It's probably been pushed down into the into the lawn, into the soil. That's okay. Just watch for it to come out of dormancy. And then if we get into a dry spring situation, you do want to water that new grass just a little bit. And the most uh, the most important thing, though, is... Until the grass has sprouted, you don't want to put down any crabgrass preventer. That would stop those seeds from starting because it doesn't know the difference between crabgrass and quackgrass or dandelion weeds or anything like that. So don't use your crabgrass preventer in those areas um, until that new grass is up and growing. And then if you feel you have to, you can set it down at that time. Good luck with your dormant in those areas um, until that new grass is up and growing. And then if you feel you have to, you can set it down at that time. Good luck with your dormant seeding. And Denny, Denny, you too. Good luck to all of us. Good luck to all of you. (laughs) I was was thinking, too, this might be a good point as we head into the growing season. We always like to mention the University of Minnesota website, but they've got a great section on taking care of your lawn. They've got a whole program there you can follow, right? They do. It's a wonderful, nice lawn care calendar. You could just look at it and maybe 
take your own calendar. Okay, one of the two people who use calendars up on the wall anymore in the world. and Or just take your phone and just mark down some dates. You know, in June we want to be looking for this. So just put a note in your in your phone to remind yourself, in June I need to be looking for this. And, and then if I'm going to see it again, maybe I want to do that at the end of August. And it just, you can just do some quick notes in there or just, of course, bookmark the site and go back to the university website at all times and look at what's going on. Yeah, it's extension.umn.edu. You will be hearing that mentioned throughout this show from time to yes, time. It's, yes. It is. It truly is a great resource. And uh, your colleagues uh, have put in a whole lot of work in that. Uh, they labors have. Labors of love. But it's they really have. a and neat thing. There's a lot of pretty pictures, too, that might just warm you up and cheer you up on a day when it's a little nippy outside. And we'll need that this week for sure. Yes. <laughs> all right. Hang on, Teresa. We'll take a break. And by all means, if you'd love, we'd love to hear you. If you want to call in or text in, whatever is easier for you, 651 We'll come back and we'll grab some text messages and we'll wait for your phone calls as well. Here on our Smart Garden Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. Currently in the Twin Cities, we have 19 degrees. We're heading to a high, if you want to call it that, near 34. Right now again, 19 here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are around uh, here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your lawn and garden questions this morning, answered by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Teresa, we have callers, we have texters, but you knew that. All I along. knew that. <laughs> yes. Uh, I tell you what, let's uh, not keep them waiting. I think Bill is first up here calling in from uh, Big Lake, I believe. Bill, thank you. What is your question for Teresa? Hello. How are you guys doing? It's very sandy up here, and I have a new lot that I purchased in November and I'll be getting the final grade completed here as soon as the road restrictions are up. And I was thinking of just going straight sod after that final grade. Would you put blacktop down first or will that sod and that minimal amount of soil work to keep that sod growing? And I also plan on putting an irrigation in before the sod. Okay. Um, These are great. You have thought this through, Bill. Very good questions. Uh, My next question is, is it full sun? Uh, I would say half the lawn is for sure. Obviously, east to west, so the one side of my yard is is blazing all morning long, and then it's the opposite side in the evening. Okay, so so what we what I would do if possible, when or before you put your irrigation in, um, bring in some nice topsoil or even just a load of compost and have that spread over the surface. And if you can scratch it in a little bit, that would be even better. With a sandy soil, all the water is going to run right through, and your irrigation bills are going to be crazy big. Uh, you also want to um, add some nutrients so the compost will help. And the more compost you can add in, the better that sandy soil will be able to hold the moisture and supply the energy that your grassroots will be needing. Next of all, remember grass is a full sun plant. It would like to be out in the sun all day long. So in those shadier areas, sod may not be the best. You may find that you'll have to over overseed eventually in a year or two with some fescue. 
fescue can handle the shade a little bit better. It won't mean that your your lawn then won't be a perfect, you know, one grass uh, golf course lawn, but it will be nice and green. So if you can do that, that will help get your lawn going. And I would definitely go over to the extension website, extension.umn.edu, and how to start a new lawn. Good luck and congratulations yeah. on your new area. That's Good cool. Good going, Bill. Uh, let's see who's next here, and then we'll grab a text. Dan is calling, I, th- I think, this morning from Minnetonka, I believe. Uh, Dan, good morning. What is your question for Teresa? Uh, yes, I've got too many crab apple trees, and I think the shrews ate all the bark off during the winter, and it's about they ate about a foot up onto both trees. And I put wire around the trees to protect it from the rabbits, which I've never had a problem after I put the wire around the trees, but seeing how all the bark is gone a foot up off the ground, will those trees die? Um, well, Dan, I'm sorry. Um, if the bark has gone all the way around the tree and that the uh, the mice or the voles have eaten or have eaten through the cambium into the, uh, they've eaten all that living layer, that outside layer is where all the nutrients go up and down the tree from the leaves to the roots. And if that layer isn't there anymore, then the communication lines have gone down. The supply lines have gone down, so to speak, and you now have a supply chain issue. So probably the trees will not make it. They may leaf out because there's energy already up in the leaves, but they may eventually die, and then you'll have to replace them. And I'm very sorry. But applewood tastes really good when you're out in the wintertime and there's nothing else to eat. It tastes right. really good. Really? Right. Well, not not from personal experience, but if all there was out to eat there is is tender, sweet bark, that's what the animals are going to do. All right. Thank you, Dan. I tell you what, I'm going to grab one more call here before we grab some texts. Mark is uh, next up on the phone. I think Mark is calling in from Shakopee this morning. Thanks for waiting, Mark. What's your question, please? Good morning. Uh, I have several uh, mature lilacs that are 20 years old. They're along the street, and the horizontal branches are reaching out over the curb. And I'm wondering if and and how much I could prune those back and still expect them to leaf out properly. Okay, you can prune those all the way back as far as you need to, Mark. Uh, And you can prune that now. All you'll be doing is cutting off the flowers in those locations. So you'll be losing it. It probably still will leaf out and with the sun can reach in that area. Um, it may cause extra growth from the bottom, so that'll help thicken up the bottom a little bit and get you some more flowers closer. But you can definitely trim those lilacs back. Just remember you're cutting, every cut you make, you're cutting off blooms. So you'll only see them blooms higher up where you can't, where you're not cutting. And yeah, again, you, fine. yeah, okay, yeah, there, but yeah, because you, you have to protect the sidewalk and people walking by and cars and things like that. So you do have right. to limb them up a little bit, so they'll be more of an arching rather than a straight. Okay, so if they're like eight or nine feet tall and I cut it down to four feet, would that still come back? Is that what you're saying? Oh, so you want to bring the whole tree height down? Is that what you're saying? If if you want to bring the whole tree height down, you could cut, if it's an established lilac, you could cut that down to even just a foot or two. And uh, then then it would send up new new shoots from the bottom, 
And then in two or three years, those shoots will be uh, flowering for you. It's called Renewal Pruning. And you can look at the website, and it will tell you you could do it over a one-year period, or you can do a three-year period. The one-year would be the massive cut where you just cut everything down, and you bring the height way back down again. Uh, the, the renewal period is where you cut big ones down over a course of three years. So you always have flowers, and you always have some height, so you still have some privacy. Um, but you are getting rid of, you are bringing the height down. Okay, and uh, again, for some uh, great reading, good resource, extension.umn.edu. Let's do this. I was going to grab a text, but I see we're up against the clock because we need to talk about that wonderful forecast (laughs) coming along. So the weather forecast straight ahead, then the Bruce You're going to be next on the phone, and again, more text messages on the way, too. Here on our Smart Garden Show on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, thanks to good folks like Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, Answering your lawn and garden questions today. Well, Teresa, we've got about another 20, 30 minutes or so to go here in the show. Welcoming uh, phone callers and texters. Same number, 651-461-9226. I'm going to get back to the text screen in a moment. But I think I think Bruce and Buffalo may be hanging on the line there to uh, ask you a question. We appreciate your patience. Bruce, what's your question, please? Yes, good morning, Danny and Teresa. Uh, Our lawn service for spring and so forth, uh, they've scheduled uh, a pre-emergent care of our lawn sometime this coming week, Tuesday through Thursday, depending on the weather, which isn't going to be very good. But should I have that done now, or should I have that put back for, say, a week or so? I don't have any snow or ice on my lawn except by... The street, I have just a short patch of uh, snow covering some ice, but not much. I Hopefully, it will be gone today or tomorrow. What should I have that done? Bruce, first of all, thanks for waiting. Uh, that's a good question. I know that the, the lawn care companies have schedules to keep. Your pre-emergent, you want to put down just as the seeds are coming out of dormancy or just before they come out of dormancy so that they don't grow. That's that's the idea of a pre-emergent. If the soil is still frozen, the pre-emergent could be washed away by uh, a strong rain or by more ice melting or anything like that. I would ask if your lawn service could put it off. Normally, we want to put down our pre-emergents when the lilacs are blooming in your yard. If that gives you an idea of how warm that soil has to be. So you can see we're like almost a month away from that. Uh, You could talk it over with your lawn service and see if they can push it back um, a little bit of time. Because I think right now, unless your lawn is way ahead of what my yard looks like, it's really too early. Good luck with that. Very good. Uh, Let's see. Boy, a lot of text messages. Uh, Here's someone who has trouble uh, growing clematis. What's a good alternative if I can't get the clematis to grow? Cheryl wants uh, Sherry wants to know that. Or Shelly wants Okay, um, Sherry, Cheryl, uh, for your clematis, uh, some other, uh, I'm not sure where you're growing it. Uh, you could look again on the Extension website, extension.umn.edu, for suggestions for vines, uh, whether it's in the shade or the sun. It really depends on what you're looking for. 
you know, a climbing rose could be really pretty. You are going to have to actually tie it to the structure. Uh, you could do some beautiful annual climbers. That could be pretty. Uh, figure out why you're having problems growing clematis. If it's really too shady, there's nothing you can do about that. But if you're running into clematis wilt, you can plant varieties that are resistant, or you could plant your clematis a little deeper and it will come up again. So try to figure out why you're having a problem with clematis, if that's what you really want to grow. And then maybe even ask a master gardener on the extension website. Give them all the information you possibly can, and they can might be able to give you some, some really good information about how to get around those problems and help you to actually grow clematis if that's your heart's desire. Good luck with that. Teresa, I made a note to remind myself to ask you about something you mentioned about a garden tour, a, vir- a virtual thank, tour. Thank what, you, Denny. I was wondering where I could stick that in here. Yep, the, <laughs> Hanna- the Hennepin County Master Gardeners, we have a garden tour every year. We'll have one this year. But we had a virtual garden tour last year because of lockdown and everything. Um, and people can actually still view that virtual garden garden tour. So you can go to the Hennepin County Master Gardener website and you can actually purchase a ticket and then you can look at it as often as you want until we take the tour down. But you could get some ideas for, I think it's three or four beautiful gardens and get some pretty pictures in your brain instead of cold 19 degrees thank you denny 19 degrees really uh but 19 degree weather but get some pretty pictures get some ideas for your gardens and just see some master gardener gardens from last year so that tour is going and just go to the hennepin county master gardener website and all the information's right there Hennepin County Master Gardener. Yep, uh, you can website. also get to it through the extension website by going down to the Master Gardener area and then finding the events and going to the yellow, yellow, the on underlined yellow bar, and it will show you the Hennepin County Master Gardener tour. We'll try to mention that again before you take your leave today, Teresa. Uh, let's see. Here's a text that says, does a bee lawn need Creeping Charlie? If so, how would I control it? Does a bee lawn need Creeping Charlie? That's a really good question. Um, okay, so those people who don't know what a bee lawn is, um, and we had we had people already talking about their lawns and just plain grass and sod. Now we want a bee lawn, which actually has flowering plants in it. And normally those things are not going to include creeping Charlie. They're low-growing plants uh, like clover and and self-heal and thyme, things like that that you can put in. But no, your your bee lawn does not need creeping Charlie. And if you don't like clover, it doesn't need clover. Uh, your bee lawn can be what you create it to be, just low-growing plants that are attractive to bees and other pollinators that intermix with your lawn and don't need as much. Uh, they can handle the, the cutting that you'd have to do with your lawn. Okay. So you don't have to have Creeping Charlie you in your don't. bee That's lawn. You don't. That's good. Uh, yeah, you're okay. Our, our Creeping Charlie comment of the day. Yes. Uh, there's a text that says, I put on crabgrass preventer every year. Can I take a year off or will it just appear again? Sure. You can You can put it, you can take a year off. It probably will just appear again. Uh, but remember, crabgrass is an annual. And think about why you always have a crabgrass problem. Is it because your lawn is thin? So in this fall then, maybe instead of always having to do all the pre-emergent Think about how you can thicken up your lawn, make your lawn nice and healthy, grow your lawn 
a little bit taller so it shades out the crabgrass weed and the crabgrass won't take over and it's an annual so it dies every year and you just don't want it to set seed in your lawn but seed will blow in so you have you have an option of skipping years see how it goes and then in the fall think about how you can thicken up that lawn so you don't have to keep doing the crabgrass every year the preventer every year you can you can just have a beautiful thick lawn instead sounds good Here's a text says, good morning. I've saved some sunflower seeds from a flower last fall and I've kept them in my refrigerator for the winter. Uh, Is it also time to plant them in soil and will they grow and produce sunflowers? They should grow and produce sunflowers. You can go ahead and start them up now or you may want to wait just a little bit longer and then start them up uh, sometime maybe the second or third weekend, or I'm sorry, the first or second week in April, which is pretty close anyway. So yep, go ahead and plant them up. Then go ahead and plant them outside, and they should produce sunflowers for you. And good luck. That sounds like fun. When should I, well, they initially said take the leaves off my hostas or uncover, I should say. Uh, Is that something that should be done, or is that something that needs to be done with those hostas? Well, it depends how deep your leaf how deep your leaf mulch was last year. If you were like um, Gary in the beginning who put down two to three inches, a lot of that will have sunk in, and you may need to just pull the leaves back a little bit. I would wait for it to get a little bit warmer before I pull back too much leaves. Anything that's up above grow up above the ground now, um, you know, if you have to protect it from the bitter cold, you can just with a little sheet or something. But you can leave those leaves covered just a little bit, or those hostas covered just a little bit longer. And they may, um, they probably aren't growing yet, so they haven't come out of the ground yet. And I'm speaking from experience how cold my yard is. Uh, here in Minneapolis. So it depends on where you are and what the temperatures are. Uh, but yeah, you can you can leave them on. They probably will come up just fine or just pull them back a little bit and let them be leaf mulch around your hostas. A couple of comments or questions this morning, Teresa, about hydro seeding. Uh, one uh, texter says, please talk about it. My lawn took a big hit with the drought last year, and I'm wondering if this isn't the way to go. And another listener uh, said they... Uh, They have a steep area in the yard, and the dry summer fall, they had uh, killed the sod. They have hydro-seeded the steep area some 20 years ago. It worked great, but now they're having trouble finding a company that does hydro-seeding. I would imagine there are still companies out there that do that, wouldn't you? I would think there are still companies out there that do hydro-seeding, and that's something I was going to suggest to... um to Bill, uh, who's starting a new law, uh, yard, um, hydro seeding might be a little less expensive than sod, but hydro seeding is a great thing to do uh, for those areas, maybe the, when you're covering a large area. Again, the extension website, extension.umn.edu, will talk about this and which applications are really good. Uh, for slopes, it gets a little bit trickier because you don't want that that hydro seed, that seed to wash away until it can get established. So you have to kind of look at the temperatures and how long it's going to take um, and talk with your hydro seeder, you know, uh, you know, how long is this grass going to take to germinate and what does the weather look like? Are we going to be able to make it? How can we, and, and the little, the, the stuff they put around it, I say stuff, it's proper, I like mulch, um, that will hold some of that, but on a steep slope, it still may be washed away. But hydro seeding is a very cost-effective way to, to overseed a large area. And I know a lot of you had lawn problems last year with the drought. It was hard on things. It was hard on everybody. So, so hydro seeding may be able to, um, to be an option for you. 
And I would imagine, too, if uh, folks have uh, worked with a company that's still in business, that we'll hear about it before the show is over today. Uh, Quick question before we take a quick break. Can I still trim oak trees? I would get them done as quickly as possible. Yeah, looking at the forecast this week, it's it's, it's probably it's, still safe. It's still safe. It's so cold. There's not the yeah. vectors around to do it. But, yeah, I would get done as quickly as possible. We have 19 degrees right now. Hang on, Teresa. We'll uh, take this quick break. Be right back with more of our mas- uh, with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney on our Smart Garden Show on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long along with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Just a reminder, Teresa, coming along next hour, uh, Luke Panic, who is the uh, deck and port specialist with Lindis Construction, is going to be answering our home improvement questions, any kind of home improvement question. But if you have any kind of a deck question, this is the guy you want to talk to or at least uh, send your text question. Any kind of a deck question next hour will be on our home improvement show. In the meantime, we're talking lawns and gardens. Lots of lawn questions today, which I guess is not surprising, Teresa, (laughs) given the time of the year. Uh, Let's see. Here's another one. Well, we'll get another garden question. This one is about a rhododendron that's probably at least 10 years old. For the last few years, a texter says it only blooms around the bottom. Top looks like it has tons of buds, but they never open. What causes this and what can I do to fix it is the question. That's an interesting question. I'm not 100% sure why those top buds might not open. They could be getting hit by a very late frost. If they swell too much, they get to a point where they can't protect themselves from the cold. And then if we get a heavy frost, the wind may just be um, frosty right at that level. And the ground keeps them nice and warm. The the heat from the ground, it doesn't feel very warm, but it's warmer than the cold air above. That could be one thing. I'm not really sure why. I would definitely go to the extension website. I hate to just pawn you off like that. I'm I'm just not sure why uh, why I haven't heard of any insects that would do something like that. It sounds more like a an environmental kind of an issue. Uh, so there's something happening there that's that's hurting those buds, and uh, that's why they're not opening. So I would think it's maybe a frost or something like that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Are there non-spreading ornamental grasses? That comes from Deb from Maple Grove. Are there non-spreading ornamental grasses? Okay, Deb, yes. Most of your ornamental grasses will be clumpering, clumping grasses. That's what you want to look for. There's, There are a few out there that are um, rhizomatous. They, they go by rhizomes under the soil, thinking like mint. They expand that way. Those are probably not the ones you want. But most of your ornamental grasses, your native ornamental grasses, are mostly going to be the clumping grasses. So that's what you the word you want to look for, clumping, um, when you're looking for grasses. And a lot of the ornamentals will be clumping grasses. So I would say that's the majority of them. Okay, Uh, let's see. Oh, we have so many. Uh, Someone wants you to mention the Master Gardener plant sale. Is that going on? (laughs) That will be uh, May 14th. And I'll be there answering questions, but there'll also be hundreds, if not thousands. Okay, maybe not thousands, but there'll be a lot of Master Gardeners roaming the aisles, answering your questions about plants, 
We've taken jump. We've taken the issue of jumping worms into consideration. So the plants will all be jumping worm free. So you don't have to worry about that. There'll be vegetables and all kinds of flowers and perennials and all kinds of things that you can can purchase. Master gardeners everywhere to answer your questions, help you out. It's a wonderful thing. So it'll be at the Hopkins Pavilion on Saturday, May fourteenth. Thank you for reminding me. We'll we'll mention that a couple of times before May for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, This Dexter needs to cut back the flowers on their hydrangea tree. How far back on the stem do I cut them? Okay, you can cut those back. It's just to shape is what you want to do. So just cut it back as far as you need to for shape. It's totally up to you in that in that instance. Uh, and just, again, look at the variety that you're looking at, whether it blooms on old or new wood. That will also tell you what you're doing. If it blooms on new wood, you're okay. Whatever comes out this year is going to have flowers on. If it blooms on old wood, those flower buds are already there. And if you cut into that old wood, then you won't have a flower in that area. And that's your choice. That's how you're shaping it. But you just cut that back as far as you need to for shaping. Okay. What can be started inside, Texter wants to know, right now for my veggie garden. I only have five-inch and larger pots. Is it okay to start seeds in this size? Oh, sure. That's perfectly fine to start your seeds in that. You won't have to keep moving them up over and over again. So that's that's fine to go ahead and start those in there. Um, you may even want to start maybe three or four seeds of smaller plants uh, like that you want to transfer, maybe squashes, maybe put three in a pot or four in a pot, and then you can carefully divide them when you plant them out in the in the, in the summer. Um, your, your squashes and things, again, it might be a little a titch early for them. They grow pretty fast, but you could do tomatoes now. Perfect time to do a tomato. Uh, all kinds of things you can go ahead and, and start planting in the house right now. Get your hands dirty. We gardeners need the smell of the soil and the dirt under our nails to be happy. So go ahead and be happy. (laughs) Sounds good, especially with 19 degrees. Especially with Uh, 19 degrees. (laughs) Here's a text before we let you go. Which Hoyas are best for south-facing windows? I believe all the Hoyas would be good in a south-facing window. They are an inside house plant, and they need bright sun. Uh, if you're finding that it's getting sunburned, you could always just pull it a little bit away from the window or just maybe put a sheer curtain on it, and that would help if you see it getting sunburned on the leaves. But all the Hoyas, from what I understand, should like that those conditions. Okay. This listener wants to know, can I unwrap my Arborvitae yet? Sure. Go ahead. Unwrap the Arborvitae. It should be fine. We're we're past the point where it should be getting damaged from winter winds. Ha ha. I say with 35 mile hour winds out yeah. there right now. But but it's fine. We're coming we're coming at the end of the tail season, at the end of the winter, knock on wood. It, it should be fine. A couple of minutes to go, Teresa. This texter says my orchids are being overrun by mealy bugs. I have oh. tried alcohol sprays and neem oil. Neither seems to work. Do you have any suggestions? Um, I was going to say use some some just like the alcohol right on the um and just brush it off. Again, I would look at the website for more information. Mealybugs can be really hard to get out of your out of your um orchids. It's a real tough situation with mealybugs and orchids. I'm so sorry. Okay, one more quick one here. Thank you for the awesome yard show. Uh, yeah, thank you. Oh, cool. Um, thank you. Question: We have a large yard. How often should the yard be dethatched? Um, you if you mow it tall, you shouldn't have a thatch problem because you're just cutting off the leaf tips. 
it's when you cut into the stem that can't decompose quickly that you run into a thatch problem. So if you can mow it a little taller, that will help so you're not cutting into the stem. Otherwise, you'll just need to dethatch it whenever the thatch is preventing the water from getting down to the roots. So you'll have to do a test every time. Just dig up a little bit, see how deep that thatch is, and see how bad the how dry the soil is underneath it. Um, it may be, have to be a yearly thing, but I was I would hope that eventually, if you can just just mow, raise that mower and just only cut the leaf tips, that pretty soon that thatch will disappear once you've dethatched it one or two years in a row, and then you hopefully won't have to do it again. But if it builds up, you'll just have to do it as it requires. Yeah. Teresa, we have to run. Thank you okay, so much. Thank Get you. on the web, extension.umn.edu. You're going to find all sorts of information about what we talked about today. Among other things, we're going to get another show next week, right? Are you going to be on? Not next week, I don't Not think. Not next week. All right. I'll well, have we'll, to check. we'll double check. But thanks so much, okay. Teresa. Bye-bye. We'll talk soon. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Now, next hour after the news break, get those uh, uh, questions ready. If you have a deck, uh, if you have a porch, if you want to talk any kind of construction or any kind of a project, Luke Panic from Linda's Construction will be uh, answering your home improvement questions next hour. Uh, so stay with us here. And again, 19 degrees in the Twin Cities, uh, heading for, if you want to call it a high, 34 degrees. 19 now on News Talk 830 WCCO. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.